Hello, and welcome to Rough Edges Podcast with Sarah I. Fox. In this podcast, I will guide you through my faith and mental health journey to dispel the stigma surrounding mental illness and to create an empowering resource for those who wish to discover more about these topics. I pray that this podcast will not only bless you, but that it will bring growth and healing to our communities. Hey there, Sarah here. Before you dive into today's episode, I just wanted to say thank you so much for your support and for hitting that play button. If you want to expand on that support, here are three ways that you can do so. One, leave a review. If anything in today's episode resonated with you or you want to share how the podcast changed your life, you can do so by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Two, check out our shop. The Rough Edges Shop is a faith-based, women-of-color-owned online shop where you can get a variety of products from tote bags, journals, t-shirts, crewnecks, and more. 20% of the proceeds go to a mental health organization. So check it out at roughedgespodcast.com slash shop. Three, connect on social media. Rough Edges is on a variety of social media platforms, including Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and more. If you want to connect outside of listening to the podcast episodes, you can do so on those platforms. If you have any more questions or want more information on the ways that I've just discussed, you can check out the episode description or stay to the end for more information. Now, enjoy your episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Rough Edges. Today, I am super excited to have a very special guest, Skylar. Skylar is a mental health enthusiast who has long dreamed of being a life coach, but is currently at university studying to be a financial coach instead. And I will say that Skylar and I have bonded over a very mutual interest, which is Twilight. And so I'm so happy to have them on the podcast for today. Welcome, Skylar. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yes, I'm excited to have you here. So Skylar, just to get to know you a little bit more, what are three things that you can't live without and why? Hmm, okay, so my first answer is definitely a water bottle. Um, I've used drinking water to self-soothe since I was 15, so I can't go anywhere without one. Um, I feel like the second one would probably be an animal. Um, I've grown really attached to animal companionship in recent years. I don't think I could ever be without an animal. Um, And then the third one, probably my phone, because I don't live anywhere near my family or most of my friends. So it's pretty much the only way I stay connected to people. Yes, Uh, I love all of those. And I definitely resonate with them. Because I too, like love drinking water, especially like seltzer water, like San Pellegrino type. So I can't can't go without that. And then my animal, Felix, a shout out to him. He's my cat and I really love him. And yeah, I really do like appreciate just like how you answered those. Like I really, (laughs) 
really enjoyed that. Skylar, I really like love how you described yourself as like a mental health enthusiast. So how did you become a mental health enthusiast? Yeah, so I've kind of always been a mental health enthusiast. I grew up in a family that was really, really outspoken about mental health. Um, I started having issues with anxiety when I was four, and there was never a point in my life where I didn't know what was going on. My grandma was, um, she was diagnosed with bipolar around the same time that I was born. And so that just sort of created an atmosphere where we just always spoke about that sort of stuff. I I got particularly really into it in 2014. I had an anxious breakdown. I was just having panic attacks every day. And I I found a really good therapist at that point in my life. And that's sort of when I started collecting self-help books and just like following uh, mental health Instagram accounts and just sort of surrounding myself with it. And I've just been that way ever since. Wow, I love that. And I especially love how your family was already open and having conversations about it, because it's something that is so heavily stigmatized nowadays. And it's just like, we've gotten a little bit better about talking about it more frequently. But I feel like there is so much more work to do when it comes to actually having honest and open conversations about mental health. And so I am so happy to hear that your family was already open about it, which kind of helped you like develop your own like interest in these topics as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm really grateful that I grew up in a house like that. I feel like I would have been a lot more scared growing up if I hadn't have been. For sure, especially since it's like like it's such a taboo topic that people just don't really want to touch on because it's like one it's a lot more complex that than people really realize and so they're kind of scared about talking about a topic <laughs> that they're very uncertain about you know but yeah I, I really appreciate how your environment was very like open to having those types of conversations and speaking of the stigma If there was one mental health stigma that you would really want to change, what would it be? Yeah, I I love this question a lot, actually. I think what I would change is the idea that there is a normal, um, that you're either blessed with it or you have to do everything that you can to get to that point. I think that people's minds are so naturally diverse, and I think that if we celebrated the way that people naturally were a lot more, the world would be so, so much more beautiful and diverse and accepting. And yeah. Yeah, yes, I definitely agree. Like, we just like to put things in boxes. And it's just like, oh, either you're this or you're not. Or, you know, either you're normal, neurotypical, or you're not neurodivergent. (laughs) So it's just like, you know, like you said, just accepting people for who they naturally are, because it's like, why is it seen as a defect? I mean, yeah, it's not like, you know, what you see on average, but I mean, we're all still human and we're all still people just trying to live life. So I agree. Skylar, I am so happy to have you on the podcast because today we are talking all about Twilight uh, and yes. a little bit of a background, <laughs> a little bit of a background on at least like how we met. So we both like met in like a online like you know chat room 
called Discord. And we just like had a, like a mutual like love for Twilight. And we just bonded ever since over the Twilight saga. So so Skylar, I just wanted to ask you, like, how did you get into Twilight and what was your first experience like with Twilight? Yeah, so I think what actually brought me into the Twilight universe was just trying to be like my older sister. Um, She was really into Twilight, so I wanted to be like her. So I read Twilight, but I was really into fantasy books at the time. So like, I loved it regardless. (laughs) Um, So I can't remember my first experience reading the books, but the first movie actually came out on my 13th birthday. Um, So I saw it at midnight. And I was so excited telling everybody in the theater, like, once it hits midnight, not only are we watching Twilight, but it's also my birthday. (laughs) Um, It was such a fun experience because I was the youngest one there, for sure. Everybody else there was like teenagers. It was was a really fun experience. It was the third movie I had ever seen at midnight. So it was just really special. Um, I'm actually getting a tattoo to commemorate the experience uh, because it was so special to me. So... Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh, that is so amazing. Like, <laughs> I love how you're just like, yeah, it's my birthday also. Like, so that's a, <laughs> it's like a huge event too, guys. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I really love that. And I really love that, you know, you have a family connection too. Cause, like you said, like your sister also kind of yeah. like influenced you getting into it as well. So, that's really cool. Yeah, and so which one do you like more? Like, do you like the books more or do you like the films more and why? I think definitely the books. Um, I feel like I feel this way about almost all series that are made into movies, but I... (laughs) The the main reason why I like the series that I do is because of the depth. And I feel like the movies, they kind of go more into like the wow and like look at these hot people sort of factors on it. You kind of miss out on a lot of the deep emotion and trials and pain that the characters go through. But you don't miss out on that in the books, particularly like the offshoots of the books that they've done, like Midnight Sun. You get so much more pain in that than you do in the Twilight movie. Um, So yeah, I I definitely prefer the books for sure. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely true because the books are always going to be like, you know, infinitely better than the movies. But I do appreciate (laughs) the films for what they were in terms of like trying to capture the essence of the book. Because for me, I never really read the Twilight books. Like I got into Twilight because... Mm -hmm. I did see, yeah, I've never read the books. Like, I only got into it because, like, actually my mom, she liked the movies. So I was watching the movies with her. And then, you know, that was my only exposure to Twilight was the films. So I just really appreciate, like, the creativity that kind of went into, especially the first one. Because there were a lot of, like, moments that were, like, greatly pieced together from the book because when you read the book there are a lot of like I don't want to say filler but it was kind of <laughs> like <laughs> it was kind of like the day in the life of Bella yeah. until we get to Edward you know I do feel like though that I feel a lot more nostalgia with the movies than the books like I feel like I can change with the books but the movies are so like stand still that they make me feel more of that nostalgia 
no absolutely absolutely i totally agree with that and so i just wanted to ask you like what character do you resonate most with from the series and why i have such a hard time with this question i'm not gonna lie because like obviously you're in Bella's head when you're reading it. So I like instinctively want to say Bella, but I feel like I don't really connect with Bella in terms of like our personalities being similar. So I, I'm trying to think like what, like my main qualities that I would use to describe myself would be. And I feel like it would be like passion, hope, and like being outspoken. And so I want to say that the character that most has those characteristics is Jacob, actually. Because, mm. um, uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of like a little bit outbursty. and <laughs> But I, I have that son <laughs> that he does that Bella describes him as. Yeah. Hopefully I don't go too far with it like how Jacob does. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, honestly. Wait, were you always like Team Edward or Team Jacob? I was team Alice. This was even oh, before yeah. I knew I was clear. I was just obsessed with Alice. <laughs> but I definitely, like, for Bella, I preferred Edward, for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that. And especially with team Alice, for sure. Because Alice <laughs> is also <laughs> my favorite character out of the entire series. And I would say that I want to say that I resonate with her the most, but I feel like she's more of a spirit animal for me than like actually mm -hmm. me like you know relating to her on that type of way um because mm -hmm. she's just so like energetic she's so like you know quirky and she just like has such insight into like wanting to help people being compassionate so yeah that's why mm -hmm. like I gravitated towards her for real <laughs> yeah that makes sense <laughs> Speaking of like either the films or the books, like what are three of your favorite moments from either one of them? Yeah, so um, I feel like the first thing that comes to mind is um, there's this quote in New Moon that I just love. Do you mind if I read it, actually? Yeah, of course. Go ahead. Okay, so it's it takes place like right after her first adrenaline rush experience I guess um, but she's dealing with the depression of Edward leaving and she says um, and yet I found I could survive I was alert I felt the pain the aching loss that radiated out from my chest sending racking waves of hurt through my limbs and head but it was manageable I could live through it it didn't feel like the pain had weakened over time rather that I'd grown strong enough to bear it mm. um, I just think about that quote all the time even when I'm not thinking about Twilight so I feel like that has to be my favorite thing my number one favorite moment uh, I feel like my second favorite would actually be from Midnight Sun I am obsessed with the way that Edward describes the meadow scene um, just everything that he goes through all of his weird little counting and naming and singing and just all of that I I love that so much and then the last one I would say is probably from Breaking Dawn, the movie. I can't remember if this line is in the book at all, actually. Um, but it's when she says, I was born to be a vampire. That just gives me full body chills. Like, I even just got a little bit of chills just saying that. <laughs> like, there's something about the way she says that that just, like, really, really gets to me. 
Wow. Uh, yes, I definitely agree with that. And that quote from New Moon, oh my gosh, like that gave me yeah. chills too. I was like, oh, <laughs> like, it's and that so was, good. Yes. Oh my gosh. And it just speaks to like, you know, the healing. And it's just like over time, like mm-hmm. you actually being able to survive like painful experiences, you know? Oh, mm-hmm. I love that. I love that so much. And I agree with you about Midnight Sun too, because that book actually made me go back <laughs> and read like the first Twilight. Because I was like, wait, yeah. Edward is just like on another level when it comes to like internalizing things. I'm just like, wow, I don't think I've ever described anything in such a supernatural way like he does. I'm just like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's intense. Oh, I actually man. read them both simultaneously when Midnight Sun came out. Mm. And so it's like crazy how much he packs into like what's just like a sentence from Bella's side. <laughs> Like, when I finished reading, like, Midnight Sun, I was just like, whoa, this was, like, very deep, profound, intense. And then it's like you go and read Twilight, and then you're like, it's not a bad book, but it's just, like, so simplistic. Kind of like a diary, Mm -hmm. where it's just like, okay, these are the things I did today. But Edward is just like, okay, I'm reading everybody's mind and emotions, and it's just like, I could feel what everyone's feeling, and I'm hypersensitive to the environment around me. So it just made it more like him being like engrossed in the world, and that just Mm -hmm. brought like a new environment for me, and it enlightened me to the series, and I was like, oh, I need to read these books because, you know, Edward's (laughs) getting a lot out of it, so... (laughs) Yeah, I feel like Edward too lives a lot more in his head more naturally because like a lot of the world is in his head. Um, Whereas Bella is a lot more like physical, like she's doing all of these tasks and chores and like she she's very grounded in her body in a different way. So there's less description in Twilight because of that. Mm, yeah that's a very that's a very good point because like he has the ability to read minds so of course jumping between like you know people's like their thoughts and everything and Bella's just like you know happy-go-lucky like okay I'm going to school I'm like yeah exactly so it's way less intense so that's a good point though that's a very good point mm-hmm. i also wanted to know like in your opinion does the twilight saga actually depict mental health well like why or why not that's a tough question i feel like first of all if it were to depict anything it would be mental illness not necessarily mental health Mm. Um, but I feel like a lot of it is hard to catch unless you've experienced it or you're well versed in mental health but there is a lot of stuff having to do with obsessions compulsive behavior recklessness despair trauma self-hatred like there is quite a bit of examples in Twilight of that Um, but I feel like it almost idealizes it so much that it's really easy to miss wow wow can you give me an example like that you could point to that kind of you know elevates that yeah I feel like um like take Edward for example so much of his behavior is incredibly obsessive um like 
watching her in her room and like like even like small details like in midnight sun he reads a book that's on her bedside table while she's gone for like a couple of minutes just to like see what she likes and like he's just very very tuned in to his obsession of bella um and i feel like that was super idealized particularly back in like the late 2000s of like oh i want somebody to love me like this but like I feel like a lot of what Edward was doing was not love. It was more, it started out as just like so obsessively curious because of not being able to read Bella's mind that I don't think it started as love. And honestly, I'm not even sure if it necessarily grew into love, Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great point because a lot of the times it's like people look back at the Twilight films and they're just like, oh, their relationship was so like toxic and everything. And while yes, there are, as you described, like elements of where he was very obsessive and it kind of felt like it put Bella in a corner almost where it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, so now I have to, you know, try to appease this guy so that he doesn't really do me any harm or anything. And so it's like, we don't want to think about it in that way. But as you were saying before, yeah. the reality of it is, is that these stories kind of like show us an idealistic portrayal of like what romance is, what relationships are supposed to be. And when you really dig deep into it, it's very harmful, very toxic behavior. But mm-hmm. as we were saying before, we idealize these things because we're like, oh, I want someone to pay attention to me in the same way. I want someone to learn my interests. I want someone to like mm-hmm. be infatuated with me in that same way. And, you know, unfortunately, it's like that is not the definition of having a real relationship with someone because it's mutual. Like you each are supposed to be getting to know each other, you know? Lives outside of each other too. Like it's supposed to be like two lives coming together, not one life sort of being slorped into the other life. I don't know the word I'm looking for, but. (laughs) Yes, that's a good picture. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, no, I definitely agree. It's like you're two like separate people trying to come together and just like have, a relationship that is based on like a mutual trust and a mutual interest and so I'm Mm -hmm. glad you brought that up that was really good yeah and speaking of just like the whole vampire lore and everything that goes with that if you could choose to have any vampire power that there is in this universe which one would you choose and why I feel like that'd have to be Benjamin's power, control over the elements. Like, you would literally be the avatar. <laughs> Why? How could you choose anything else? <laughs> no, I feel like he's so, like, grossly overpowered compared to all of the other vampires. Like, it's insane. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That is so true. I mean, could we talk about, like, how the vampires in this universe are (laughs) it's like they're like half the avengers half like the avatar (laughs) half like just like so many different powers it's just like wow i didn't (laughs) i didn't even know like that could be a thing you know and people yeah just take a whole bunch of like they take a kick out of like making fun of like oh they sparkle instead of dying in the sun or they don't do things that conventional vampires do but I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you think about like how the vampires are in Twilight? 
I feel like the vampires in Twilight are so like naturally overpowered. Like like I I just said Benjamin is grossly overpowered, but like really they kind of all are. Like they don't have those natural vulnerabilities like the garlic and the steaks and the sunlight. Like they're just like so invulnerable. Like I'm pretty sure that the only thing they're vulnerable to are like fire and then other vampires or shifters. Like mm. that's like insane the the amount of power that they have. And like um I feel like the movies honestly didn't do justice like how freakishly powerful they are. Like like take the sparkling for example. They're supposed to look like prisms coming off the skin, like full rainbows not like um the sparkles like it's supposed to look like they are on fire that's where like the lore comes from within the twilight universe Mm. and like like i don't know it's just kind of crazy how how little there is that can hurt them yeah and for for sure like especially with the strength because like even he's just like oh if i like you know hug bella a little too tightly i could kill her i'm like what (laughs) yeah (laughs) and like never having to sleep like and the the sheer amount of space that they have in their minds to be able to think so many different pathways at once and to maintain everything that they've learned since becoming a vampire is just like insane i constantly wonder like is there anything short of the end of the world that could stop them (laughs) and even then like Technically, I think they could survive in space. Like, they don't need blood to survive. They don't need air to survive. Like, they could just be floating out there and still live. <laughs> that is so true. Uh, it's just so amazing, though. Like, I, on the one hand, it's just like, okay, they're not conventional vampires. But I do appreciate Stephanie Meyer's, like, creativity to take an already established lore and just turn it into something, like, totally new totally innovative so i appreciate Mm -hmm. that but girl i'm like what is their weakness besides like fire yeah literally you know what's actually funny and i didn't think about this until just now so obviously stephanie meyer has a lot of like mormon influence in the storyline and um, i grew up mormon i left the church years ago but um, a lot of it resonated with me just because of that um, just growing up in utah and being around that culture but Um, One of the beliefs in Mormonism is that in the second coming, everyone will be twinkled is what it's called. And then you'll lose all your imperfections. You'll live forever in the new millennium, all this sort of stuff. So I almost wonder if that was part of the Mormon doctrine that she was putting on top of the pre-existing vampire lore, Um, even like as as much as like the sparkles that they have. That's I just have never thought about that before. Wow, that is an interesting connection. That and that sounds like it makes the most sense because like yeah. you know, the way she manifested it as like sparkling in the sun or, you know, being on fire, I guess, in the sun. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that wow, that is a very, very good connection that I didn't really even think about either. Oh wow, that's so powerful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was just thinking also about the amount of like hate twilight has gotten like especially when it came out and everything and like a funny story about um 
that because I was in Hot Topic one time and I did like see like a whole bunch of Twilight merch and everything. And I was like, so like ecstatic about it. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, like I'm going to buy me a Twilight <laughs> t-shirt. And so I went up to the cashier and one of them, there were two of them there. One of them was just so excited for me. He was like, Oh my gosh. Like, I love that you bought the Twilight shirt. And the <laughs> other cashier was just like, Oh my gosh, like give it a break. It came out so long ago. Like, oh. like he was just like, <laughs> Yeah, he was just like talking about like the vampire lore and how it doesn't make sense. And I was just so annoyed because I was like, okay, this is getting hated on. And yes, you're entitled to your opinion, but mm-hmm. why are you hating on people who like things that they like? You know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it's really popular to hate on Twilight too. It's almost like a crowd mentality that you get for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I I just want to say, like, for people who do love Twilight, but are afraid to come out and say that you love it because of all the hate and the backlash you might receive, I would just say wear it like a badge of honor because I was in the beginning. I was so scared to, like, say, oh, I like Twilight, especially, like, to my friends who knew about, like, the things that I liked that they're like, oh, okay, like, you like Twilight? That's new. (laughs) (laughs) but i'm like hey just like wear it with pride and just say you know what Mm -hmm. yes i do love twilight because it's great it's a comfort film for me personally yeah yeah it is for me too and you know what books don't have to make sense (laughs) that's one of the great (laughs) things about creativity like they can just be weird and a total guilty pleasure hopefully without the guilt to be honest just a pleasure (laughs) Um, plus there's like a huge community of people who love twilight that would be so ready to welcome anybody with open arms like yes yeah yes oh most definitely and honestly us even sitting here talking about it is like the proof that you do have (laughs) like in this like in this fandom like there's just so much love and it's like we're all bonding over you know the novels and the movies because it's something yeah. that we appreciate you know honestly it's one of those that even within the fandoms there's hate for it but it's like coming from a nicer place like we hate how good it is like it's like <laughs> so bad it's good sort of thing yes. <laughs> For sure. And then it's like valid critiques, but it's not so much as like, yeah. oh, we hate it. It's just like, oh, that's weird. But I still like it. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, yes, this is stupid, but it's my stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> sure. Skylar, I am so, so happy that you have joined me today to talk about all things Twilight. But before we wrap up, I have one final question for you. What are some advice or words of encouragement that you would give to someone who is struggling to manage their mental health? Yeah, I think there's so much advice that I could give, but I think the number one most important thing is um, honestly just self-compassion. Like, I don't think it's possible to go on a healing journey while you're actively maintaining hatred for yourself. I think you need to give yourself grace. I think, you know, there's just a lot of space that should be given to acknowledging how hard things are for yourself in the moment and 
just sort of giving yourself a little bit of love and compassion instead of frustration or, you know, anything like that. Yes. Oh, that was so beautiful. Well, thank you so much, (laughs) Tyler, for joining me. And everyone stay tuned for more empowering episodes on Rough Edges. Thank you for listening to another episode of Rough Edges Podcast with Sarah I. Fox. If you want more exciting updates on the podcast, follow on Instagram at rough.edges.podcast. You can also visit the official podcast website at www.roughedgespodcast.com. Thanks again for listening and have a wonderful day.